It was 10 years ago yesterday, January 27th, when Steve Jobs first stood on stage in San Francisco and announced the release of a new product, the iPad. In those 10 years, what do I think about where it's gone and what it's done? What could they have done differently? What did it excel at? It's episode 386 of the Dan York Report, and on this 10th anniversary, I thought I would reflect back a bit because I admittedly have been an iPad user from those very early days. There was a wonderful thread from Steven Sanofsky of Microsoft. He was the product manager for Windows, and he uh, they had just launched Windows 7, and they were just amazed by what was what happened with this. But he has a great thread on Twitter, and I'll put a link in the, in the show notes that talks about all this and sets the stage for some of what happened that during that time. I remember, you know, seeing the announcement, seeing the Apple events and, and reading about it, all this stuff. And like many, I, I did not know what to expect, but I bought one because it seemed so revolutionary in so many different ways. And I wanted to understand more about it. I wanted to know what it would do. And I used it for a good long while. And then in maybe 2015, I think somewhere in there, I bought an iPad 2. And or an iPad Air 2, I think is the official definition. I still use it today. I use it pretty much every day. In fact, I mind mapped out this whole episode of what I was going to talk about in here. Uh, and I was using it uh, to look at that while I was also using Slack and email and web and everything else and all this from this device, this iPad. Now, neither of my devices, the first iPad or the one I use today, had cell service. Both were just Wi-Fi. I would potentially hotspot them to my phone if I needed to. But they were just devices that I used for this. Neither of them ever have replaced a laptop for me. Well, fully replaced, I should say. They have certainly replaced where I use my laptop in many places. But they've been a great compliment, and they've really been more of a short-term laptop replacement. If I thought about what I do on them, you know, web surfing is certainly one part of it. News, uh, recipes, uh, other different kinds of things, lots of different stuff that I read on, on websites. What's interesting about the web, about the iPad that I find is that it's less intrusive to be using it to go and access the internet in some ways. My family knows that I'm not typically working when I'm using the iPad. I'm typically doing personal stuff or something when I'm around the house or in some way. It's a little less intrusive than having your laptop and having the screen up and everything else like that. But I do web I, things on the web, website administration. I've logged in and posted updates. I've administered my websites. I've done all sorts of stuff from there. Email, of course, messaging, um, Slack, iMessage, uh, Wire, Facebook Messenger, name the different messaging products. I've used them at some different times. I do a ton of mind mapping. I, I use mind mapping software as a uh, as the way to organize a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my thinking, a lot of my outlines, a lot of my task tracking. And I use a, a product called MindNote. I've talked about it in previous episodes. And, and they have a truly wonderful synchronization through iCloud that lets me be able to edit mind maps on my iPad and then have those same ones appear on my iMac and on my laptop and also on my iPhone. 
And so it, it, it's, a, it's truly an, a very easy way to be able to share those kind of mind maps. And, and the iPad is wonderful because of the larger surface area, the ability to, to the touch interface, to go and drag things around, rearrange mind, uh, items in a mind map, do all this kind of stuff. So for me, that's a huge piece around it. Of course, note taking, uh, very often I also use uh, mind maps, but I will take notes in other forms too, different applications or things. And similar to what I said there, it's also, I find it much less intrusive to use the iPad to take notes when I'm in meetings or things. I was just at a meeting tonight for two hours where people were you know, writing down stuff. It was about 10 or 12 of us in a, in a room people writing stuff down in notebooks and and I was just sitting there with my iPad you know just very quietly inobtrusively going and writing notes uh, in in a mind map of course but I was just doing that and part of it is it looks more like you're using a pad and there's no laptop screen it's sticking straight up that's kind of a barrier between you it's very just if it, it goes with the flow of what you're in and where you're at I use a, a task tracking app called Things, and, and again, that works beautifully between the different apps that I use. Social media, of course, whether it's Twitter and Facebook, Mastodon, LinkedIn, Hello Reddit, whatever it might be, it's a great way to just kind of use that casually. Another interesting aspect that I use it for a lot is, uh, is Zoom calls. I work out of a home office, and we use Zoom for a lot of our calls. And I'll do them typically up in my home office where I have an iMac, a big camera, microphone, all sorts of stuff. And that's what I typically do. But there's times when I want to just do a call and I want to be somewhere else in the house. Uh, there were a couple times this last year when I had contractors in the house and I wanted to be able to be available to go and meet with them. Or quite honestly, a number of times when I was in back to back to back calls and you know, after three hours of calls, I wanted to get up and go get a cup of tea. So I just used Zoom on the iPad and used it to be able to move around the house and to be able to go and interact with people and have calls and do all that kind of stuff. It's similar for video too. I found myself using the iPad for watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or things like that, whether it was just in parts of the house or, or running on a treadmill. I would put it on the treadmill, connect some Bluetooth headphones, be able to just be able to go and run while watching something rather than whatever was up on screen somewhere else. I also have used it for maps and mapping, writing articles, although not typically long articles. I, I type so fast on a regular keyboard that even though I've been able to get an okay speed on the iPad's keyboard, you know, it's not like I can type on a regular keyboard. So if it's anything long, I'll use an, an iPad. I mean, I'll use a laptop or something like that. I won't use the iPad. And yes, I could get an, a, a keyboard for the iPad. I haven't yet done that. Maybe I will at some point. But, you know, it's it's really just that thing. And part of what makes it so compelling to me is just the the multi-touch interface, the ability to move around, to zoom, to, to be able to just so in, intuitively interact with things and work with it in some different way. I've also found that the iPad has not replaced a laptop in like extended travel or in long, you know, going to work environments and doing things. But for casual travel or just for casual usage, if I'm traveling around town, I'm going to coffee shops. If I'm going to, 
you know, a repair shop and I know I'm going to sit in the waiting room for an hour and, and I want to work on something. If I'm, you know, going to places like that, it's so easy just to slip the iPad into a bag or carry it with you, bring it to meetings. I've also brought it to, it's a great thing to stick in the back of the car if I'm going to a place uh, where I, I know that I might need to jump on to go and do work access or do something like that, kind of like an emergency usage for work. It's it's so super easy and convenient. For travel, it of course has also revolutionized, I think in so many ways, how how I travel. Because it used to be that I'd carry my backpack and I'd have a couple of books because I love to read and I'd have some other stuff and things. And, and now I can just really carry the iPad because it has all sorts of different eBooks. I'll have, you know, I'll use the Kindle app or, or one of the various, I, you know, the, the iBooks app or whatever else. I will go and um, download videos. I, I've taken, I've gone and downloaded entire seasons off of Netflix onto the iPad and then watch them on, and you know, when I've got a 12 hour flights or something like this. It has larger storage than the iPhone at least till the newer ones anyway. And so I was able to go and put many more seasons on there. Ditto with podcasts. I also, you, you, knowing me, if you've listened to me for a while, you know I'd have to bring in curling somehow. Actually, one of the reasons why I got the iPad Air 2 back in 2015 or so was that I was doing a lot more with my my older daughter's competitive curling team. And there's this awesome app that came out of Canada, of course, called Curl Coach that lets you go and chart a curling game. And you can literally go and just drag and drop the stones, where they were supposed to go, what they, what the, you know, show the chart, show exactly what happened. And then it will calculate all sorts of statistics, help with tips for drills, all sorts of things. And so while I was coaching her team or, or assistant coaching a team one year, I did a ton of this. I was using it all the time to go and chart the games and see what we could learn and what we could figure out and all those kinds of things. It was truly phenomenal for that in so many ways. And it was uh, just the touch interface or, or using it with a stylus or something. It was it was wonderful for that. I've also used the iPad for language learning. Duolingo, I used uh, quite a lot. I like the bigger screen. I'm getting older. I'm in my 50s. Eyesight's, you know, I, of course I have an, <laughs> an iPhone SE. So I've got the opposite side on that space. But the iPad works great for all that. There were many other uses I've had for it over the years. Uh, one of the more random ones was that when my family is traveling sometimes and we're in a hotel room and you're near an elevator or something, we've used a white noise app on the on the iPhone. You've turned the, or the iPad, I mean, you've turned the whole thing into a, a noise generator, but it works. I also used it as a teleprompter a number of times back, a few years back when I was doing a lot more of video recordings we would uh, load text up into the teleprompter app on the iPad. And then I would just hold that iPad right below the video camera. So whatever was speaking could be able to just read whatever was a teleprompter. It worked brilliantly for that usage. Probably not something that people were thinking about when they were first designing the iPad, but it was brilliant like that. I've used it for network utilities, for interacting with GitHub, for podcast recording, for spreadsheets, audiobooks, timers, alarms, all sorts of things. Uh, event applications, things like uh, at the WordCamp, at uh, some of the other different, the ITF application. There's a bunch of other things. There's so many different ways to use it. I've also used it for music. 
there's a couple of different applications like Oxy that allows you to go and create electronic music. There's one for looping. There's a number of different ways that it's it's quite compelling to see what you can do with such a portable, easy, fun kind of environment to work with. So for me, I look at it and I say, you know, it's been an, a remarkable and amazing device. It's not something that I think any of us necessarily thought we had to have. But when it came out there, we realized how useful it could be as a, oftentimes a secondary device. I've not gone to the point where it was the only thing I used, although I will admit there was one trip that I took uh, to China, actually, where we brought in, we just went in with iPad minis. That was the only device we used for the entire week we were there. And it worked. It was fine. It was okay there. But as a supplementary device, as a second screen or a third screen, as something else there, I found it to be truly a remarkable device. Now, John Gruber of Daring Fireball fame wrote an article yesterday talking about, you know, he says 10 years later, I don't think the iPad has come close to living up to its potential. And he talks a lot about the issue around multitasking. And it was interesting because to be honest, I do a lot of multitasking on on the iMac. In fact, right now, as I'm recording this, I'm looking at my iPad where I have my node on half the screen and I have John Gruber's Daring Fireball article on the other side of the screen. I do this a lot. I'll be working with this or today when I was taking notes with uh, in, in my node, I also had Slack running over on the third to be able to follow up with some things that were happening at work and other pieces like that. I've come to do it all the time, but I actually hadn't realized until I read Gruber's article about how kind of insane it is in one way about the strangeness of the mechanism, the whole idea that you would launch an app by clicking it and then you would drag from the dock to drop onto the other app. And now that I use that, I do it all the time and it makes sense to me for some definition of sense, but I can see how that's totally non-intuitive. Because as Gruber, as John Gruber mentions, in the Mac world, dragging something off of your dock removes it from the dock. Whereas here, it stays on the dock, but it just adds it as a second app. Now, I won't pretend that the iPad's multitasking is as robust as it could be in other ways. I found it works for me. I, I'll use it in different ways to have multiple apps visible. I also admit that I have used the slide over piece a number of times to be able to have something that was on the top of the screen that I could monitor while I was doing something else or pull up information. Sometimes when I was taking notes or writing stories, I might have had slide over with something that had other little notes in it or some kind of way that was there. Now, where do I think it's going? I don't know, to be honest, if, I, if I'm truly honest about that. What I think is we'll certainly see it becoming thinner, faster. The pro models are certainly quite compelling, quite interesting. It will be very curious to see. I think one of the interesting elements, of course, is that the iPad continues to keep on working. The original iPad that I got 10 years ago still does work, not for the newest apps, but for looking at websites, for doing some things, for playing some music. It, it does work. This five-year-old iPad I'm using right now, it's still pretty solid. It still works well for most of what I need. And so there isn't a compelling reason necessarily to go and buy more of these and work with these. 
But I do say I find it a compelling tool to have and I still carry it around with me and do so much with it. We'll have to see where it all goes. I could see one getting even a little thinner. Maybe we'll get even much more toward those tablets that we see in sci-fi movies and TV shows and other things like that. What about you? If you've been an iPad user, what do you find most compelling about it? How do you use it? Do you use it all the time? Or, or is it one that you used it for a while and then it faded away? Or what? Or did it just never work for you? I'd love to hear what your comments are on these 10th year and also be curious to think where do you see it going over the next while you can leave comments where i'm posting this on soundcloud at soundcloud.com dan york or you could leave comments anywhere in social media where you find this episode thanks for listening you can find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me uh, until next time bye for now